Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Self-Initiative Project Podcast. I'm your host, Jim O'Brien. This episode, we'll be talking to Kathy Loomis of Cyber Savvy. Cyber Savvy's mission is to provide parents with the tools and resources necessary to effectively and safely guide their children through the digital landscape. This is part one of two. Hi, Kathy. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me today. So we've got some exciting material to cover, and uh, let's get started. I'm, I'm excited. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about you and how you got this thing fired up. I am, have been in the technology arena since 2000. Um, when I first started, I co-founded a company called Synergy Network Solutions, which is a company that specializes in recruiting technology professionals, specifically in the area of development, engineering, and cybersecurity specialists. Um, and a big portion of my job was always to stay ahead of the changes in technology over the years. Um, so, which is no easy task because, no. you know, just believe it or not, over 10 years ago, just over 10 years ago, the first iPhone was released. And today it is the rare American that does not have one. And they're mostly under the age of 10. So roughly about no. three quarters of Americans own a smartphone today with the average child owning one by the age of 10. So, um, and we're going to continue to see that grow. It, it, absolutely. And um, so being in technology, I thought as a parent, when my child was ready to enter the digital world, I thought I was completely ready um, until I wasn't. <laughs> I learned that I wasn't. Um, I handed her an iPad and I think she discovered a lot of things on it. She played a lot on it, and then YouTube, YouTube came over, and she, I think she typed in mermaid, because she had went through a whole mermaid fetish for a while, sure. <laughs> um, and uh, we started out with a really benign video that quickly moved over to a very inappropriate video, mm. so at that point, I uh, started doing some research, and, you know, just to kind of help prepare myself, and I, I just realized there was nothing for parents. There was a whole lot of information. Um, it was almost kind of drinking from a fire hose, though. You didn't know what to believe, what was what was workable, what was usable. So at that point, I decided to found my new venture, Cyber Savvy. Um, and my mission is to provide parents and students with the tools and resources necessary, necessary to effectively and safely guide their children through the digital landscape. Um, so that's my mission. Sounds great. Yeah, I think uh, with the uh, popularity and the in increasing uh, growth and usage of smartphones or phones in general, mobile devices, whether it's phones or tablets, really keeping on top of and keeping tabs of what your children are doing and looking on those devices is paramount. Right. Well, we, um, our kids, believe it or not, are clocking in about four to nine hours of screen time every single day. It's not just um, when, on their mobile devices, but it's all screen time. But nine um, hours? Up to nine hours. That's wow. more time than they spend sleeping. They spend more time in front of a screen than they do sleeping. I remember yeah. watching a lot of television as a child, but. <laughs> I don't know that I ever spent nine hours in front of the TV back then. Right. Well, we, they're literally 
never without it. Like for those kids who have um, a mobile device or the phone that they carry with them, they are never without them. And when they're without them, they, you can see that they become very anxious. So um, my child happens to be uh, part of the iGen generation and she just doesn't know life without her digital device. Yeah. Um, but most of the, the, you know, scary, they're spending that much time on their devices and it's, it's really, I call it a parentless society because it's all peer to peer. Parents aren't really engaged enough in their online worlds. So a lot of, it's like the wild, wild West, really. I mean, they are, doing things to each other, you know, cyberbullying, um, doing things that you know, just aren't nice. They have that keyboard courage. They're doing everything behind a digital screen. So they, they do things that they wouldn't normally do. Makes it a lot easier to each other. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they can hide so, behind that keyboard. Like you said, I know. So, you know, I'm just kind of helping guide parents to, you know, to get more engaged so that they can, create some more teachable opportunities for their kids. Sure. And I know that cyber savvy has some classes that they offer and even some services. So you want to talk about those? Sure. Um, I do a lot of presentations, um, at schools and, and organizations, um, from student presentations, just to teach students how to be a good digital citizen. Um, and that we talk about cyberbullying, what that means, and it, not in the traditional sense when, you know, where all the media talks about, oh, if you're sending these terrible texts, this is what cyberbullying looks like. Um, but it's different. Uh, I think that kids today cyberbully a lot in the way of exclusion. So they'll post things to their Instagram accounts or their Snapchat stories that will include everybody in a group that traditionally is together with the exception of one person. And then they just pummel that person with a bunch of photos and videos and stories that, that really are designed to make kids feel excluded. Sure. Um, and that's a big, you know, that's kind of a, a paradigm shift a little bit from what we traditionally think as parents is what cyberbullying it is. It's not so overt. Um, it's just kind of these little, subtle things that they do to make other kids feel excluded. It's crazy to think that something like bullying has evolved from the days of, you know, me getting beat up in the bathroom, the boys room in, in middle school, you know, now it takes on different forms that make it uh, not just hard to deal with, but also to respond to as well. Right. And parents, I, I think that parents don't realize how much it's changed. So if they're not engaged, they don't, really see it. Um, so they don't realize that there, there is a teachable moment. Absolutely. So before we get into the classes, cause I'm intrigued sure. by a couple of those and the services too, um, just to kind of run down some of the statistics that you have on the cybersavvy.com site, 80% of parents never talk to their kids about appropriate internet use, not because they don't care, but because parents just don't know how. So what do we do about that? Well, it, education. So that's that's the biggest piece of it. Um, I think that parents traditionally, especially since if they didn't grow up in the with a cell phone, um, and that's really my generation. Um, <laughs> so it's educating them what 
the, the devices can do, what their kids will have access to, and how to become more involved. And I think the main thing for parents is, you know, they just think, gosh, my kid knows more about this than I do. So what am I going to bring to the table? Um, so I'm just going to let them, I'm just going to stick my head in the sand and hope for the best. So what my classes are designed to do is to, to really shed some light on what do their devices do? Um, how can you become more engaged? And, um, and just let them know that, yeah, their kids know a lot and they can adapt more to the new technology than we can because we're not playing on it every single day and we don't spend as adults do, but they spend their time in front of the screen in a different way. But, you know, just to educate them on that and just say, you know, it's not so much staying abreast of the ever-changing technology because that's going to be too hard to do, but to open lines of communication with your kids um, in a very traditional parenting way so that kids will eventually feel comfortable um, having those bi-directional conversations with their parents. Absolutely. Makes a lot of sense. And, you know, it's okay if the parents aren't technologically savvy, but right. it's important that the parents also still let their kids know that they're the ones in charge because they are the parents at the end of the day, right? Exactly. So one of the exactly. few of these other statistics to breeze through real quick, one in five U.S. teenagers who act who are active on the internet have received unwanted sexual solicitation online. That's Isn't 20%. That scary? That's scary. It's a very scary statistic. Um, so almost every popular social media site is being used to recruit sex tra- trafficking victims, um, according to the FBI. So no. I know it's, it's very scary, but it's, it's for the sex trafficker. Um, it's a very easy way to target kids. Um, one in five kids the age of 10 to 17, like you said, have been solicited for sex online. But one in 33 has been aggressively solicited where they where the predator is attempting to set up a meeting with a child in person. Um, and that's scary. And I think that parents in general don't know how prevalent it is. Um, Atlanta especially is um, sadly a sex trafficking hub. It is. Um, so it's, you know, our kids, if they, you know, if they even go to the mall um, unaccompanied, they're being um, targeted. So I was talking to a parent the other day and she said um, her child just incessantly was asking to go to the mall with a group of her friends and they just wanted to be able to walk around by themselves. So my friend said, well, I'm not going to let you walk around by yourself, but I'll go with you and, you know, I'll be in the mall in the same location as you. So you'll know where to find me and I'll be close. And literally, she said, within a 20 minute period, they had broken away. Her friends, their friends went to like those popular kids stores. And within 20 minutes, they were approached by a man and a woman, a young woman and and they said, oh, my gosh, you girls are so pretty. We are looking for young models. Would you be interested? Um, oh. Come with us and sign this paperwork and we'll, you know, figure out a time to take pictures. But that's when they get them. And some gullible kids who when parents don't talk to their kids 
about stuff like this because it's too scary or they think it's not happening. Sure. Um, they become victims. Fortunately, my friend, um, it was a former model, but she said, she <laughs> told her daughter, expect this, know that, that somebody might come up and use this line on you and just know that it's not true. So fortunately her, she had that discussion with her child. And so they immediately went into the store. They told the store manager and those people left. Um, but that's scary. That's scary. So, but that's, yeah. that's the key in the parents taking the initiative to drive these conversations, to talk about cell phone safety, to talk about cyber predators. And there's, yes, they're scary topics. Um, but our chi- our children need to know if we're not having these conversations with them, then they're basically, you know, steering in the dark. Yeah. And, you know, it hasn't changed over time, right? When we were kids growing up, whatever, the importance of parents talking to the children, having those hard conversations is so important. It's just that the conversations now are having to evolve and include technologies and incidents that we didn't necessarily have to deal with, but it doesn't change the fact that the conversations are important. Right. Uh, right. It says uh, 36% of children message people they have met online but don't know in person. That's, uh, you know, that's a testament to why it's so important to monitor these the usage of these devices with your children because young kids don't really have the cognitive development yet to understand what it means or could imply or the consequences is to uh, to talk to strangers. I mean, when I was growing up, you know, don't talk to strangers was a promoted policy for kids, right? Right. Right. So, um, okay. So our, our kids, uh, the main thing that's important to them today is becoming famous. They all want to become the next, you know, famous YouTuber, they want to, you know, so the more likes they can get, the more people who see their things uh, makes them feel more popular, more liked, more, you know, they, they can hopefully start getting some advertising dollars from their YouTube channels. Uh, so they friend essentially anyone. So I don't know if you recall um, a couple of actually it was last year um, there was a guy who was targeting local schools in Atlanta and um, mostly Instagram accounts. So he would friend all of these kids and, um, and then start sending inappropriate emails and um, photos and texts to these kids. You know, you'd think some of these guys using these methods would realize, hey, everything I'm doing is going to be recorded or traceable. And you'd think it would thwart thwart more than, you know, cause it. But I don't think, uh, you know, it's been said many a time, criminals and those with ill intent aren't necessarily the smartest uh, folks in the world either. So that's always uh, kind of interesting to me. Right. But, you know, these cyber predators, believe it or not, are getting more savvy than we give them credit for. Um, On the dark web, they are all sharing information. They share information on what works for them when they're grooming a child for, you know, to be, you know, as a victim. Um, These are the things that work. These are the, the points that I used that made the person either send me a nude photo or send me more information or you know, agree, had them agree to meet me. And most kids, believe it or not, 
when um, when they agree to meet with a sexual predator, they, I'm, it's because they've been through a grooming, a long grooming process where this person befriends them, even and to the point where our kids think that they know this person. Yeah. And um, as parents, we have to remind them that it's probably ugly Charlie on the other end. It's not, you know, cute Jason. It's not it's what you think. ugly Charlie. Yeah. And, and that's a good point. That brings me to the last statistic here. It says in 100% of the cases where a teen has fallen victim to a sexual predator, the team has unknowingly but willingly met the sexual predator. Right. That's really scary. And that's part of the grooming process. Um, like I said, these predators are so much more savvy than we give them credit for. They will work as long as it takes. If Once they target somebody and they you know really want to get this person, uh, they'll just keep at it. And they, they're pretty aggressive in it. And um, they have... They have a way of convincing our kids that they're their friend and they'll start things like, you know, saying your parents are terrible because they'll start out in a way like, oh, you know, I saw that you go to this certain school because kids will post pictures um, of them in their you know school attire in, the, in some kind of sports thing. So it has the name of their school. So they've they've targeted them th- that way. And then they find out who in that group um, is associated. And, you know, when they want to reach out to somebody, they'll say, oh, I see that you're friends with so-and-so. I'm also a friend of so-and-so. Let's become friends together. And then that's how it starts. Yeah. So they, they do a lot of predators do a lot of investigative work. A lot of research. Um, yeah, a lot of research. And it's all available because kids... They post it all post things, uh, <laughs> information that they, they probably to the level of detail that they should not. Well, I think if, if I recall, right, even with programs like Snapchat, when you share a story out, you can share it with just your connections or you can share it out to everyone. Right. That that's kind of scary if you think about it, because now you're just opening your door to yourself, Right. Right. And what kids fail to understand, and this is what I, one of the things that I talk to them about when I do a student presentation, is that when they download apps, a lot of these popular apps, they come, um, the, default, the default setting is that there is no privacy. All the information is going to be collected and you're going to push out to everyone unless you specifically go in there and change those settings to be more private. So, you know, I, I literally walk kids through uh, um, whatever popular app it is today, and, and most of it is, is either Snapchat or Instagram, and I'll walk them through specifically how to turn on those privacy settings because it's so important, and you just need to lock it down a little bit, and it's not a catch-all. I think that a lot of information still gets out because it's designed to do that, yeah. um, and you know, but kids aren't, aren't really aware of it. And, and at this point they, they don't really care. <laughs> yeah. And wh- and why would they, right? Because it's not going to happen to me. I'm not aware of such a thing going on, but you know, Facebook social graph is powerful. Even if they don't necessarily know who you are specifically or directly, mm-hmm. they still are collecting an awful lot of information, a lot of 
you know, rich, potentially expensive data to have available for others to use. And you never know how that's going to get used ultimately. Exactly. So there's a saying in our industry that, that says, if the product is free, then you are the product. So um, that's a good point. Yeah. So that's a t-shirt all, in the making right there. Exactly. <laughs> apps collect and sell personal information to advertisers. And that's the way that they, they make money. They make billions. Facebook has made billions and billions of dollars on our personal information. They collect it, they package it, they tout to the advertisers um, that they, they, you can target anything that you want. You just tell us what you want to target. We'll collect the data and package it for you. Um, So with, um, and, and to be clear and in fairness, it's not, I don't believe that any of it, you know, maybe some Chinese apps that you install on your iPhone or whatever might have malicious intent. But in fairness, I don't think any of it's out of bad intent, you know, or, or malicious intent. It's just about business and making the almighty dollar. And that, that, that data, the more I have, the more specific detailed data I have, the more I can charge for it and the more I can do with it. Right, right. So there, um, there are a couple of Facebook defectors, and I agree with you. I don't, I don't think the developers um, are, are terrible people. I, I, I think that these are unintentional consequences that, um, that we're facing now. I think they, their specific goal was to keep the user engaged. Yes. That was their mission, and sure. I think that they've done that, and they've done that effectively. So they've done their job. Um, what we have failed to do as parents is to adequately discuss this with our kids, let them know that every app that you use, um, data is being collected on you, regardless of how old you are. Um, even, you know, so most apps are not supposed to disseminate information on kids that are under the age of 13. Um, but it happens anyway. Um, they, they just build that dossier. Once they reach the age of 13, then they can sell that information to anybody. Wow. So, um, but the point is we're as, as parents, we're not having these conversation with our, these conversations with our kids. So they freely give out information. So for example, um, an, a new app that, that a kid will download will always ask to um, connect with your contacts and connect with location services immediately every app can i share all of your personal information immediately um no (laughs) right so but kids just say yes to all of that yeah because they're just trying to get to the app right and so you got to get through those gateways so to speak in order to get to what you're trying to do and want to do in the first place exactly exactly so it's important that we have those conversations that they that and, and parents are engaged, especially with younger kids when they're downloading apps, not to let the kids download those apps by themselves. The parent needs to do it, set up the privacy settings, set up the restrictions so that they're not accessing your contacts and your location, and and then send their children on their way. <laughs> Absolutely. Great point. Uh, I know we wanted to talk about the Cyber Savvy Parents uh, class. That's one of the classes that you offer and talk about. But I thought this one was just as important, and I want us to talk about this for just a second, is what to know before giving your child a smartphone. I think that's uh, 
That's a, a, a great heading for that section. <laughs> so that was the first parenting class that I actually designed. And there was so much information in there. Um, so we talked a lot about, you know, when, you know, when should a child get their first um, smart device? And, um, and when, you know, basically, I said, parents are going to know their kids better than anybody else. So if, if you quite honestly, in your gut, think your child is not ready, um, then don't give them one, regardless of this, whatever the social pressure is. Um, but biologically, you know, just to talk about our kids um, in a biological way. So they have their prefrontal cortex, which is their executive decision-making ability. Um, it touches on their insight, their empathy, their impulse control and, and risk-taking behavior. That part of their brain, um, up until the age of 22, and in some cases a little bit later, um, is underactive. But in the meantime, they have a limbic system, which is that pleasure-seeking area of the brain. It, it you know, basically, it, it it's kind of like the angel and the devil on your your shoulder. Yeah. The pre frontal cortex is the angel it says don't do that <laughs> i was wondering why that says, happened to me it, as a kid <laughs> <laughs> and your limbic system is a little overactive so sure. when kids get a device uh, like a smart device they just you know it it is like they take it and go with it with wild abandon so it, there's no control they don't make good decisions, but biologically, they're not able to make good decisions. They're just and not so wired yet. They're not wired right. Exactly. They're not wired that way. So their decisions are largely based on what feels good, what immediately will satisfy them. So they never consider things like privacy, safety, um, don't be distracted while you're walking. They, they, they never even think about those things. So, um, so that's what I talk about with parents in these classes is the first thing that you need to do is just secure the device, like simple things, like secure the device with a password. That's first and foremost. Um, make sure that people who aren't intended to use that device can't use that device. I had a scary story. Um, and I know I'm going to share you with you a lot of scary stories because um, I no, that's good. We need to know. We need to know this stuff. We need to know what goes on in the real world because we base everything on what we see on TV. <laughs> uh, so we talked about predators and they're everywhere, even in, on our playgrounds. Um, so there was a child who had a, a phone and she put it down and went to go play with her friend on the slide. And then she came back. Her phone was still there, but there was a predator sitting there watching her the whole entire time, picked up the phone, installed some um, spyware on her phone, hmm. and then proceeded to monitor her, harass her with phone calls. Um, the parents, she told, luckily, this child told her parents, um, they changed their telephone number, but because the spyware was on the device itself, they didn't get rid of the device. They just changed the telephone number. Sure. Uh, the predator was able to continue to harass her. Wow. 
So it's really scary. Um, and I, that's just one of the simplest things that parents can do for their children is make sure that they secure all of their devices with a password and discuss with the child why it's important because it just protects them from any unauthorized user. Yeah, that's a great point. It's just basics as so oftentimes it is just basic one-on-one type stuff. You should secure your things. Right. And then, so once it's secure, a lot of parents forget that, okay, so now I've locked down my phone, but now it's locked down. So if something happens with my child and um, how is somebody going to get in touch with them? So they need to put um, an emergency contact information on the lock screen. Uh, An ICE number in case of emergency. I even have that on my phone. Right, right. So, but, you know, don't put the name of who they're calling. You just want to say in case of an emergency, here's the number, um, please call. So, but that's, that's so important and parents forget that step too. Yeah. So there's an app that I use just so, you know, for parents who want to do this. And if, if you, if you're a parent of a teen, they're always going to change their lock screen photo. <laughs> uh, yeah. So there's an app called over that they can download, which will um, display text over any pictures that the, the kids want to use for their um, lock screen photo. And then they have, you know, you teach them how to use it. So whenever they change that lock screen photo, they always have to put the ice information on front of the screen. And what is it called? Over O-V-E-R? O-V-E-R. So, oh, wow. and it's just an app that displays text over pictures. Sure. So it's one of many, but that's the one I like to use. <laughs> sure. Uh, not to break stride, but just to go back to when is a good time to give your child a smartphone or when should, you know, at what point, what age? And I know recently, and we won't mention any names, but I know recently you did a spot on a local news network, TV uh, news spot. And I think I remember a data point being something to the effect that the FTC says that 13 is the earliest age that you could give a child a, or should give a child a smartphone? Is is that right? Or was that it's just... It's actually FTC regulations say that 13 is the um, age that kids should get on social media. And at the after the age of... The, they use 13 or most apps use the age of 13 because at that point they are beyond... Um, COPA regulations, which is Children's Online uh, Protection Agency gotcha. uh, regulations. So, and that's that's the agency that says you can't sell a child's information under the age of thirteen. Yeah. So most social media sites say, okay, well, we're going to avoid that and say thirteen or over. Over. It seems like, and maybe it's just me, but it seems like kids are getting younger and younger that have phones, right? It's one thing to have a phone that's locked down to just being able to call mom or dad at home, but is it just me or are kids <laughs> getting younger and younger that have access they to are smartphones? They younger and younger. And the reason being for that, I think um, a parent's number one fear is that their child is going to go missing. So when they give them a phone, they feel like they can protect them or they can at least know where they are. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I 
they they view it as a tether, but it's not necessarily working that way. Right, right. It's just a way for the parents to stay connected to their child. Um, But back to your original question, like when determine your child's readiness. Um, As a parent, I know that my child matures at a different rate than other children. Um, And I think that there's no easy answer for that. So I get that question in every seminar that I do. And it's just, I can't give them a definite answer because the child is so different. It, it, so as a parent, I always just say, I'm going to toss that back to you. Just use your gut instinct. You know, your child better than anyone else. If you feel like they're a little bit more impulsive or a little less responsible with keeping up with things, then hold off. I've never had a parent come to me and say, gosh, I wish I would have given my child a phone earlier. Right. I wish I'd give it to him at eight instead of 11. (laughs) That would have been better for all of us. Right. Right. You know, that's, that's a good point to be made because, um, and recently we've just completed a podcast on gun safety, right? And whether you're you know, proponent, an advocate for guns or a gun control advocate, everybody can use some safety tips, right? But part of that is the same exact question. When is too early or when is the right point to talk about gun safety with my child or introduce firearms to my child? And that's the answer. Like they want a hard, you know, steady, oh, it should be 13 or 15, right? Whatever. But the answer is the same. It You know your child best. You have to make that determination as to, you know, are they mature enough to understand basic safety and to be able to handle that firearm? So it, it applies on both sides. So I understand exactly uh, the answer and why it's provided that way. Right. To give a little bit more guidance to parents on that vein, I pretty much say when you are ready to be fully engaged in your child's digital world, then you're one step closer to being able to give your child a device. That is a great answer because that really does put the onus on them to think through all the angles that as a parent they need to be working when they do give a device like that to their child. Right, right. So, and, you know, and you know, I, when I talk about that, I say, are you committed to educating yourself at least one hour a month, which I know sounds like it's, that is no time at all. But some parents don't ever educate them themselves on technology. But I said you have to commit to at least one hour a month of you know just reading through. Common Sense Media is a pretty good website for parents. Um, it gives you uh, an overview of a lot of different apps. It gives you security alerts. Um, so it, that's it, one that I like to recommend. And what's the name again? It's Common Sense Media common sense that which a lot of folks don't have but there's opportunities (laughs) to pick some up along the way right (laughs) correct that concludes part one of two of our podcast with kathy loomis of cyber savvy be sure to tune in to part two and thank you for listening